Hi, this is Sophia from the Gray Stage Podcast. I'd like for all of you to know that the Justice for David Crowley and Family group is located on Facebook. In this group, we highly encourage our members to read all the documents that we have gathered for this case. You can find those documents up in the group files or on Greg Fernandez Jr.'s website titled thegraystagewordpress.com. Together we can work to find justice for David, Kamel, and little Ronnie. Merry Christmas. Right, greetings and happy new year to everybody happy 2022 and uh, we're going to be we're going to go over um, some of the invisible enemy stuff that we have here this is invisible enemy number two and we're going to go take a look back at some of the early days of the covid pandemic whatever you want to call it um we're still on march we're still in march here so i'm going to continue and pull up this here and we'll continue on this series is just about looking at some of the early days of COVID-19 and then you can compare that to um, whatever you think is happening now so whatever your view is on it and uh, all the variants so I'm gonna go ahead and share this right here and here we go so starting with the post office section here also on March 19th 2020, President of the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, Paul Hogrogan, sent an email to the brothers and sisters in the Postal Service acknowledging that circumstances regarding this crisis are rapidly changing with new developments constantly occurring. By that time, 13 postal workers tested positive for COVID-19. Any employees who came into close contact with the infected were told to self-quarantine themselves for 14 days. Those employees would be paid administrative leave. Another problem has arisen during this crisis, Rogan continued. Excuse me, another problem that has arisen during this crisis is, is that of childcare. An extremely large number of schools have been forced to close because of the outbreak of COVID-19. Mail handlers were given 80 hours of sick leave for dependent care. It was also discussed that COVID-19 related absences would not be used as a basis for discipline. Mail handlers assistants were also given 80 hours of paid leave. This is extremely important for MHAs, Grogan continued, since they have very limited leave balances. They do not receive sick leave, are not eligible for administrative leave, and must cash out their annual leave at the end of each appointment. So MHAs, mail handlers, uh, mail handler assistants. We must be vigilant about how we go about our business, Grogan stated at the end of the letter, but we must remain as calm as possible. Please stay safe. So uh, they were taking care of them too, as well, taking care of the um, mail handler assistants as well as everybody else. Now we've heard some different stories. I've heard some stories. I'm sure you've heard some stories about those early days with the postal service. At, um, I don't know. I've heard some strange things, and I think I put some of that stuff in here, too. So, oh, here we go. I actually put it right here. So the following information was given to me by a source who relayed the information from a current postal employee. 
The employee worked at the post office for over 30 years. About four months before March of 2020, according to the source, quote, a person had a heart attack, fell over and died. He just laid there. The boss told us all to pay no attention and keep on watching. At a safety meeting, we were told we could not talk about the coronavirus. Don't bring it up at all. Just keep working. No hand sanitizer, no gloves, no wash stations. People cough and sneeze and wipe their hands on their pants, then handle packages. There are groups of immigrants who have different hygiene and do not bathe. Very little washing. A few months ago, the manager gave a speech on personal hygiene and told them to use deodorant. Postal employees often cough, sneeze on packages, told to keep on working and don't ask questions, threatened with loss of job for non-compliance, had the flu and took three days off work, brought doctor note to doctor, threatened with loss of job, told to get back to work, no change in procedures due to Corona. It's business as usual. People use public transportation and then come to work. So this is a startling thing. Uh, obviously this is from a, from a source. So um, th what this postal employee is reporting here may not be, you know, what's happening at every postal office, but what, have you ever talked to anybody? Let me ask everybody um, listening, watching this. Um, have you ever spoken with anybody from your post office, um, a local postal office who is working um, during that time? Do you know anybody who has worked there or does work there and what it was like during those days back there? Is it, or is, did they have something similar happen at their postal office to what this person is claiming here? It's, it is totally contradictory to this letter um, from the postal service that they're putting out here. And um, I'm just curious to see if this is just a one-time thing just at this post office, or have you heard similar stories of, you know, people just, the postal workers told to go about their business, it's business as usual, nothing different, nothing changed, or were there safety measures taken? You know, were they using hand sanitizers, putting on masks, et cetera, et cetera, way back in March, right? Because we all know that because Trump came out so early on about the, the COVID, that it really wasn't taken seriously by the mainstream media. It was downplayed, et cetera, et cetera. Then when Trump started to downplay it, then everybody started to hype it up as if it was the end of the freaking world or something. So anyways, that's my view on it. But I'd be curious to hear um, if you work for the postal office, if you worked for the postal office during that time, um, you know, what was your experience? And is it similar to what this source is, is saying? Um, somebody had a heart attack fell over and died he just laid there boss told us no not to pay attention and keep on keep on working uh and things like that you know so um that's what i would be curious to hear if there are any similar stories okay let me do a screen share here i think my cat is cat is being a little hyperactive here all right so um Pretty interesting there, very interesting. So, back in March, you know, really, including myself, you know, this is when I, this is when I really started to take it seriously, and I felt like um, maybe a lot of people really weren't taking it seriously. But I don't know, people that I knew at, at the time or just didn't know about it, you know, haha, Trump's, you know, thinks the world's gonna end, haha, blah blah blah. Let's talk about the young man. Okay, 
We were told the coronavirus is only a threat to the elderly. I do remember that. We were told that when this whole thing first happened here. Um, that's why it's kind of good to go through this to kind of get you know some of the views on how it was, how it is now, and how it was way back then in March 19th of 2020. Very interesting day, interesting month actually. Um, that changed on March 19th, 2020, when 34-year-old Jeffrey. Gazarian died at a hospital in Pasadena, California. Gazarian survived a surgical procedure for testicular cancer in 2016 and overcame childhood history of bronchitis and asthma. On March 2nd, Gazarian flew from Los Angeles to Florida for a week conference before visiting both Disney World and Universal Studios Florida. How are they both doing now? While in Florida, Gazarian developed a cough on March 7th and began coughing up blood on March 8th. Instead of checking himself into a hospital in Florida, Gazarian flew back to the Los Angeles International Airport on March 9th. Once the 34-year-old man left the airport, he immediately went to a hospital emergency room with a high fever, according to reports. Chest x-rays showed Gazarian had a pneumonia. He was tested for COVID-19 and sent home with self-quarantine orders. For whatever reason, the results for the COVID-19 test did not come until March 13th and Gazarian tested positive. So that's a big thing um, all the way from, um, you know, he tested uh, what, on March 9th and test didn't come back till March 13th and he's, he was positive. The next day, Gazarian was taken back to the hospital by ambulance and placed in an intensive care unit. Over 60% of his lungs were full of no, pneumonia. Gazarian was, was incubated, I think, in, intubated. A tube was placed down his throat and sedated while waiting for antiviral meds. After being hooked up to a ventilator for five days, Jeffrey Gazarian died on March 19, 2020, and is possibly the youngest man in California to die from COVID-19. Of course, at the time that I that I wrote this, um, that's from a TMZ article um, titled, look it up. Um, it looks like this was written March 19, 2020 from TMZ.com. Look up if you want to read the title, if it's still out there. 34-year-old California man dies, coronavirus, visited Disney World. Florida, Florida. So that's a long ways away from California, right? So, I mean, crazy, crazy stuff. Oh, here's an interesting thing about the stocks, uh, selling stocks. After leaving a coronavirus security briefing on January 24th, 2020, six United States senators sold their stock holdings. Diane Feinstein, Richard Burr, Kelly Loeffler, Ren Johnson, Jim Inhofe and David Perdue are all under scrutiny for their actions of foresight. And then I have a note here, what date did the stock market crash? I need to go back and look that up, but that's pretty interesting. Selling stocks right before uh, all of this was going on. What do you think about that? Um, I thought it was pretty interesting. All right. Um, Getting back to it, okay, the government is not immune either. <clears throat> That's pretty interesting. Is um, Okay, here we go. It was announced on March 14th, President Trump tested negative for COVID-19. In a memorandum for White House Press Secretary, in a memorandum from White House Press Secretary, Stephanie Grisham, physician to the president, Sean P. Conley released the following information. Last night, after an in-depth discussion with the president regarding COVID-19, 
tested, he elected to proceed. This evening, I received confirmation the test is negative. One week after dinner with the Brazilian delegation in Mar-a-Lago, Conley continued, the president remains symptom-free. I have been in daily contact with the CDC and White House Coronavirus Task Force, and we are encouraging the implementation of all their best practices for exposure reduction and transmission mitigation. Can you imagine what the media would report if Trump tested positive? Of course, you can tell that I wrote this um, before Trump tested positive. Remember when Trump tested positive? Oh, it just happened to be right before the presidential debates or right after, excuse me. You know, the media wants you to believe that it was before he was positive and was infecting everybody. But um, I do believe he tested positive after the first debate and they canceled the second one and did the third one. That's why Biden only had to only had to suffer through two debates, which he got completely, completely demolished. Um, if this was a wrestling match, this would have been no contest. Obviously, you can see I have a nice little wrestling shirt here today. Protect this yard. Roman Reigns, there it goes. So just throwing that out there, of course. Who would have thought that I would have had a wrestling shirt on, right? I think my cat is trying to come in again. No, that's one of the, the things. If you have a cat, they come in, they come out, do what they want. Okay, so here, so again, I wrote, can you imagine what the media would report if Trump tested positive? So you, you can imagine my surprise after he did test positive and how the media treated it. We pretty much knew. I imagine if Trump did test positive, we would never know about it due to national security. That could be true too. Um, that was my, my thought then. And, you know, I was actually kind of shocked that he came out and said that he was, but I thought maybe it was a national security issue. Obviously, thankfully, I was I was wrong. He was very transparent with that. Uh, I was not expecting that. I was not expecting him to be honest. Just kidding. Uh, during the daily news briefing, Vice President Mike Pence was asked if he had tested for COVID-19. Here's what Pence said, that I have not been tested yet. I'm in regular consultation with the White House physician, and he said I've not been exposed to anyone for any period of time that has the coronavirus and that my wife and I have no symptoms. But we're checking our temperature regularly every day and we'll continue to follow guidance. So these are all from the press conferences um, that the president would hold. I think Trump held more than I've ever seen anybody else hold. And you can see the way that the that the media reacted to Donald Trump and his press conferences. It was very enter entertaining, not for the right reasons, unfortunately. Um, but it's just, <laughs> there was one meme I saw uh, where it's just like, Trump is up there and there's all these dogs just kind of barking at him. That's what the whole media was like. It's just a bunch of barking dogs, yapping, yapping, yapping. Just like, you know, it's, it's completely different. And of course, for every other president, they've treated them completely different. They did not like Trump. And I wonder why. I wonder why. I'll leave that to your imagination. On March 20th, on March 20th, 2020, a staff member working for Vice President Mike Pence did test positive for coronavirus 19, according to the press secretary of the Vice President, Katie Miller. Neither President Trump nor Vice President Pence had close contact with that individual, said Miller. Further contact tracing is being conducted in accordance with CDC guidelines. And so that was from thehill.com. 
And the title of that was Pint Staffer Test Positive for Coronavirus. Now, a lot of these, um, a lot of the sources that I'm reading here, I did um, create a PDF of it just in case goes down the, the memory hole um, on my main channel before it got taken down. Um, I did have pretty much every um, press conference that President Trump held everyone just about everyone starting from about this point maybe even before this too actually yeah before this too but definitely once the coronavirus hit i wanted to every time we were told press uh, trump was going to do a press conference i made sure that i live streamed it for everybody so thankfully my friend sean ackley was able to back all that up love you sean hope you're doing better um sean is a guy who um has been a big um a big asset in my life, um, a mentor in, in many different ways, a, a spiritual brother, a fellow Christian, and pray that he's doing good and he will continue to get better and get back in the in this game some way, somehow, depending on if it's God's will, whatever God wants for us, that's what we do. But Sean Ackley is the one who was also able to back all of this stuff up for me. So thankfully, I do have everything that I lost. If I lost anything on my main channel, it's still backed up somewhere. Hopefully we'll get all that back up. For all of you who want to just watch two hours of, a, of Trump, um, you know, spinning knowledge to the uh, fake news media. <laughs> as I put it. But think of Trump. I, I remember my friend Eric Spitfire Wilkinson. Um, he had me on his show one time. We were talking about Trump. And there was another guest on there who was not, um, not pro-Trump, basically, right? They were not really biggest Trump fans, I would say. <laughs> So but they were nice about it. They were cool about it. And we had a nice um, chat, which as we do, my other friend, Jamie, um, Southern, Southern Truth, he's not a, he's not a Trump guy either. He doesn't like Trump or whatever, but you know, Eric's um, pretty, um, I don't know about, I don't know how Eric feels about Trump either. But anyways, the point that I, that I was making is like, it's like a, it's like a WWE match. It's like a wrestling thing. And Trump is like Ric Flair, right? He's the villain. He's, they want to make him into this villain, but he's just <laughs> just so loved whatever whatever your view is on trump you can look at the people that show up to his rally right he he brings in business the same way rick flair brought in business rick flair you you put him on a show people are going to show up they may show up to boo him they may show up to cheer him they may show up to love him show up to hate him show up to see what he's going to do next right so with anything um it was like what is rick flair going to do president trump those two guys, man, are very, very similar. And uh, if you didn't know, Ric Flair is a Republican. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I don't consider myself anything of that. But um, or any of those labels. I try to stay away from that. But it was just interesting when I learned that um, Ric Flair does identify as a Republican, a conservative. I thought that was pretty funny, but pretty interesting too. Um, but anyways, you can look at the similarities. Come on. Ric Flair, Donald Trump, there's something similar there. Give me that. You have to agree with that. No, maybe not. Okay. So we're still on page 21 of my um, abandoned book or the preview of my book. You're pretty much getting to see what I, you know, what I've written. And you can see, you know, um, the first whatever, 50, 60, 70 pages may, uh, may be pretty much done. They may be done and ready. Yeah, maybe a few little errors, grammar errors, things like that. But otherwise, it's pretty much done. As it goes on, that's not the case. So, uh, one second here.
pet calls for sure. All right, enough of that rambling about that. Um, let's see. Oh, let's go right here. Here we go. On March 20th, Rand Paul announced his plan to introduce the legislation to combat the novel coronavirus pandemic's effect by providing relief to American families and businesses without adding to the skyrocketing debt that has also threatened our country. Now, there's a lot of things I like about Rand Paul, and there's a lot of things that I don't like about Rand, Rand Paul, but um, I'm I'm happy that he is a senator. I'm happy that he's there, that he's doing so, and he is doing a lot. I love the way that he went after doc, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Love that, absolutely. I learned a lot from that. Um, Rand Paul is, you know, is a doctor, so he does know what he's talking about, and you could tell he was not going to let Fauci kind of wiggle his way through some of those of those questions. And as this as this goes on, as the pandemic goes on, more people hopefully will start looking at Dr. Anthony Fauci. Read the book by Robert F. Kennedy Jr., one of the greatest books I've ever read. Have not finished it, so it, I mean. I have a ton of books right there on my wall there too. Um, but so if you can read that book, the real Dr. Anthony Fauci, I think it's really worth really worth looking at. So anyways, so without, you know, he's going to help out American families um, without adding to the skyrocketing debt. That's a difficult, that is really difficult because debt keeps going up. <laughs> so I don't know. It's good to want to do that. I don't know. You know, I don't know the, the basics of all that, so I can't criticize or condemn or even congratulate him on you know, doing. I think it's a it's 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 a noble thing to try to do, and we have to start there. We have to start somewhere. Hey, we need good people in Congress. You know, I mean, we cannot give up on the um, on this republic. Do not give up. If if you have given up, I mean. You know, there's not much more that you can really do but just stand by and just watch. Hold your hold your hands. You can moan, complain about everything, and that's pretty much it. So that's all that you can do. Or you can try to you know be be involved and try to do something to make this a better place. There are things that you can do. There's always something that you can do. Okay, labeled as the COVID-19 Recovery Act, Senator Paul's plan would help bypass counterproductive regulations out of the way so we can recover faster, trust Americans by enabling them to keep more of their own money, and provides incentives to give the relief of extra time to those paying off debt. There you go. And then I give you the summary of Senator Paul's plan there, so you can kind of read through that and try to understand what his plan is. Now, three days later, three days later, just a coincidence, right? Just a coincidence. Three days later, on March 23rd, Senator Rand Paul tested positive for COVID-19. Despite my positive result, Senator Paul stated on his website, I remain asymptomatic for COVID-19. Now, that's pretty interesting here because people who, you know, are looking at um, the theory that this is a bio attack, not just some random thing that happened from some bat somewhere, um, he remains asymptomatic. That's pretty interesting there. So, and then there's the press release, the full press release from March 23rd. So, really wanted to add in a lot of these documents, even give you the, um, even give you where you can look look it up because I know how these things happen. They get buried, and anytime you want to search for it, it's just going to come up with negative stuff about Rand Paul. So, my friends, um, 
fellow truth seekers thank you all for joining me here for this short little part two god bless you all i will be back very soon but i hope i hope we um i hope you keep looking into this coronavirus thing and um until next time god bless a simple truth it really is this simple Either you believe David Crowley is innocent, or you believe he is guilty. If you believe David Crowley is guilty, you are wrong. If you believe David Crowley is innocent, you are right. It really is that simple. A United States Army veteran is dead. His wife and his five-year-old daughter are dead. A thorough investigation would only conclude with authorities admitting they lacked evidence to support their accusations. If authorities were to admit the case remains unsolved, they would also have to admit that the public may still be in danger. I am not able to solve this case. My interest is in forcing authorities to admit David Crowley is innocent. The reason they refuse to talk about this case is not because they are confident of David's guilt. They lack confidence in their allegations. Their department wishes to move on, but they are only lying to themselves. They must know the simple truth, and they need to publicly admit this. Their credibility depends on it now. The unspoken truth is that David is innocent until proven guilty. Why are authorities running from the simple truth? How long do they think they can run for? You cannot run from God. You cannot run from your nightmares. And you cannot run from the facts. Why would anyone want to? What could possibly motivate someone to try? If you cannot prove David Crowley guilty, then he remains innocent. It's as simple as that. So the resistance we face is disgusting. If David was guilty, the evidence would be right in our faces. If David was guilty, resistance to our questions would not exist. If David was guilty, facts would be evident. There are no facts to prove David guilty. There are only facts which prove David innocent. Hence the resistance to getting justice for David Crowley and family. Who cares? Do the people who closed this case and decided to not speak about it ever again really care? Do the friends who accused David Crowley of being guilty days after his body was found really care? Perhaps they only care about spreading the accusations of David's guilt instead of researching the facts of this case. They don't seem to care about the facts which prove David innocent. Truth is a simple thing. Justice does not die. Facts prove David is innocent. What's up everybody this is ross from planet x filmworks channel on youtube and the zodiac files true crime series check it out and shout out to greg and the gray stage channel their content is amazing